Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's another week of Cinematics. This is episode 196. I am joined by Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. This is, yeah, Cinematics. Last week, Bruce Perky said there was going to be a dagger piece of news. Bruce Perky, what is the dagger? Actually, I'm going to reroute that dagger to Eric Holmes. Here's a surprise. What is the dagger that Bruce Perky was mentioning or alluding to last week? Eric Holmes, you have the responsibility of making that big announcement on Cinematics episode 196. Take it away. Uh, new shirts on the merch store. Woo-hoo. New oh, shirts that's... on the merch yeah. store. Find yeah, your yeah, film Do you want, do you want the onus of doing it? Do you want to say it? What's going to happen or what's going on? The direction you want, do you want the onus? It, you know what? Bonus. You've been, here, you've been here the longest. I think it should be you. And there's nothing long about me. If you have to talk to my non-girlfriends, <laughs> uh, Bruce, do you want the onus of, of mentioning what the dagger is? I disagree. Your intros are pretty long. I think it's going on pretty long here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get back to our features and uh, we'll, we'll just get the intro. <laughs> the big intro is back in 2015, Anderson Cowan and I started this cinematics podcast. He's going to be no longer with us. He's going to be with us in spirit because he's going to be popping in now and again, whenever he can promote his loaded for bear documentary and subsequent film. He's really working hard towards that. It's just a lot of time involved in so many different things with the after disaster, his other podcasts and the film vault along with just his career being a dad. So it's been coming for a while, at least maybe I'm thinking if I recall, maybe a year and a half to two years, because we ultimately Eric and Bruce know we started off as a weekly show, me and Anderson back in 2015. And actually Anderson had the idea of starting the podcast cinematics he came up with the name over dinner in westwood california and he's he's come up with a lot of it was a lot of the inspiration and the heart and soul of what cinematics was all about is all about is thanks to anderson cowan so just a lot of respect and love to one of our one of my good best friends is anderson cowan i'm sure eric holmes you're very close to him bruce you know him kind of you're not as close as me and eric to anderson so you're gonna be left out of the segment how do you feel about that bruce huh (laughs) Uh, that's fine. I'll just sit over here in the corner. You can put me in the corner, not baby, but me. Yes, I can put you in the corner. <laughs> okay, you'll be in the corner. But no, so, and to be honest, everything I learn, or if I have any value as a podcaster, a lot of it is due to Anderson Cowan. He helped nurture me as a co-host on Cinematics. I learned a lot from him. And you know what? He's He's the best mentor because he never tried to micromanage me. He just let me go with the flow and let me grow. As opposed to me, who I try to micromanage Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky every single week, and they hate my guts. Uh, Bruce Perky, what have you learned from me as a mentor, as your podcast mentor? Have you learned anything? (laughs) Actually, I I mean, honestly, truly I have. But I'm cutting that out for the bit. Thank you. Eric, can you tell the truth? Bruce is such a nice person. Say you've, you haven't learned anything from me as a podcast interviewer or a fellow podcaster, like because Anderson's the North Star. Come on, Eric. Oh, I've learned a lot from you uh, as far as interviewing goes, because uh, otherwise I'd be like, uh, your movie is like really good and stuff. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty much all I got. If you ever watched the Chris Farley show, it'd be like that and still is sometimes. 
Stop trying to impersonate my interviews with talent, Eric Holmes. But, I, I, but yes, sir. I, I will say uh, I love Anderson and, uh, mm. you know, working with them on groupers, just, you know, texting them, being friends with them, doing all sorts of fun stuff, hanging out, you know, whenever I go out there. I love them. And it'll be good to have them. Like, since me and Bruce have been on here, we haven't really done many shows with Anderson, but that, that this was his baby. You know, this was his and your thing that you guys started. And then uh, Bruce and I came and ruined it for all the listeners. So we apologize. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. But now, but now we got to kick Anderson to the curb. And, uh, no, yes. that's, that's not exactly what this is. But yeah, it, it, it sucks. But he'll be back once in a while, hopefully. If really, the spirit, much. yeah, the spirit and direction of cinematics is really pretty much inspired by Anderson because when he started the show, his idea was just to cover more independent driven projects that maybe other podcasts, maybe even including the film world. Not that's not a knock because they get to cover a lot of the commercially driven films. They reach out to the listeners. They do watch parties. They're a great podcast. But back in 2015, he wanted to cover a lot of the niche films. And I think by hook or by crook with, with you, Eric and Bruce, when you came on board to cinematics and, and find your film as well, you just brought your aesthetic and we just follow that spirit of Anderson Cowan and just be, you know, cover indie films. And we continue to do, I'm telling every Bruce and Eric and, and Eric every week, I, I need to cover just black Adam every week so we can get more listeners and they stay true to the game. Eric Holmes, you look like you wanted to say something. You have some thoughts. Yeah. I mean, th- this is, this is not the best news. I, I don't like this, but I mean, it is episode 196. That's like 69 backwards, which is the worst number ever. So it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, as Brian on the film wall says, it's apropos. I want to look at the bright side of it is that because I mean, it is sad because we love Anderson. And and, I mean, at least myself and Eric, I mean, I know we were fans before we had any like contact knowledge. And we were fans of cinematics as well. I mean, and we'll talk a little more about that. But we were definitely like hardcore fans of that. And it's just kind of that fandom slowly built into whatever this is i guess we're like the lead singer of judas priest or journey you know <laughs> like the the ones that came in afterwards because they were fans they just got to end up singing for the band and eh, no one ever likes them as much but that's okay we do our yeah. best yeah we, we, all, <laughs> we all do our best and again hats off to anderson anderson will make one more appearance actually on cinematics via our patreon he and i will be discussing tomorrow tomorrow being thursday the 1970 films bloody mama and five easy pieces. So we'll be talking about those two films. Yes. Uh, final thoughts on Anderson. The reason why Anderson's not here is because I put, I made sure he didn't show up at the podcast. And that was seconded by Eric and Bruce. They said you could, they didn't want Anderson anymore. Is that correct, Eric? Or am I lying on this? Why, why is Anderson not here? Did you know why Anderson's not here? Uh, dentist thing. I think That's he was too, having a hard time speaking to the personal, Eric. The How gimp, did you mention that? You know? <laughs> what? What do you say? Bruce? He couldn't speak through the gimp suit. Uh, the zipper wasn't working. So. <laughs> no gimp suit. Yeah, it wasn't you, working. You, you don't bite down on the ball gag. Everyone knows this. <laughs> yes, and because he did, Anderson, like Eric Holmes said, back in the he, box with you, Anderson. <laughs> back. In, he is recovering as we speak. As we are recording, he is recovering from a trip to the dentist. So he wanted to actually make this his final show here, in, but because of the dentist yes eric holmes you know with the uh with the man show that used to have adam carolla and jimmy kimmel mm-hmm. and uh that, that's like you and anderson it was it flourished everyone loved it and then eventually doug stanhope and uh joe rogan came on and that's me and bruce and we just kind of bring it down by <laughs> oh, a lot. Yeah, so we we're, about to, 
Uh, let, I, let pre- me... pre- prepare for the cinematics last episode coming oh, shortly. Oh, that's no, that's that's I I like that humor, that self-effacing humor, Eric Cohen. But we will continue. Cinematics is still alive. A lot of it is thanks to you listeners on our podcast. And again, like I said, we're I'm going to be recording with Anderson tomorrow for the 1970 podcast. That said, Bruce and Eric are jumping onto the Patreon, and they will start moving forward starting in July. We're going to, Anderson and I covered the years 1940 to 1980. So for this new chapter in our Cinematics Patreon, we will be covering the years 1981 to the year 2020. So again, 1981 to 2020. Every month for our Patreon members, we have one bonus episode. We will randomly generate a year, which do, do any of you, we have, I haven't done this random generator in a while. So again, we're covering the years 1981 to 2020. Our current Cinematics Patreon members will be treated to a bonus episode with Bruce and Eric Holmes. Bruce, do I have to do the bonus episode with you guys uh, next month too? Do I, can I? Yes. Yeah? Yes, you do. Okay. That, that's, <laughs> you have to watch yeah, both movies. Okay. So no, no, no one's going to listen to the bonus episode with just Doug Stanhope and Joe Rogan. We need oh, Jimmy dear. Kimmel to join us. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, li- I like that, that reference. So again, 1981 <laughs> to 2020, we haven't done the randomizer for our Patreon in a while. Let's see what year we land the year. Bruce, can you please put it down on our, our Google notes? Because Eric, I'll write it. I, I gotcha. I'm, I'm just horrible when it comes to organization. Or or and Eric's good at the organization too because he does all the ratings. The year we are covering for our next chapter on Patreon is the year 1999. So we're going to cover two movies from 1999 for our Patreon bonus episode. One of those picks will be a rotating pick. So me, Eric, or Bruce will pick the first movie from 1999. I let's who wants to. Who, Bruce, either you or Eric is going to pick that movie from 1999. Which one? Which one, who wants to take that July? Oh, let's make it Bruce. You 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 shrugged your shoulders. Well, the, the the weird thing about 1999 is that's such a popular year. How do you find a movie that everyone hasn't already seen like 300 times? I'll do Go it. For it. I'll do it. I've Go got for it, Bruce. Okay, Bruce Perky will pick the year 1999. That will be the first movie we review for our bonus Patreon members. And then the second movie that we will review will be, we're going to reach out to our Patreon members. We're going to have a poll and hopefully some people from our Patreon community will vote for the poll. We'll vote on the poll and we'll we'll come up with that second movie. So again, two movies, the year 1999 for the month of July. That'll be our Patreon. Thank you guys for so much for your support. Also, Patreon members pretty much get a lot of stuff from us. I'm starting to yet again do the spoiler stuff. Eric and I were going back and forth about whether it should be walled or public for a while. We were thinking about public YouTube, you know, so people, so the Commonwealth can see the, the spoiler stuff. But I think what I'm, we're going to do for now, at least is for the Patreon members. If you're a member of our Patreon community, you will get these spoilers that Eric and I do for the video talent. It'll be walled in within that Patreon community. For example, there's a movie called, Prisoner's Daughter, which I don't know if you saw, Eric, but Bruce Perky, mm-hmm. you and I saw it. We're going to do a little bit of a spoiler at the end of the cinematics episode. And then we're going to combine that little mini review or spoiler to a Catherine Hardwick spoiler, the director. She talks about the ending of Prisoner's Daughter, which stars Brian Cox. And who else is in it, Bruce? I'm trying to think right now. Oh, yeah. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, I was in Beckinsale. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's- uh, Ernie Hudson, right? And Ernie Hudson, right, and Christopher Convery. So a lot of that that Catherine Hardwick video clip with her talking about her her feelings about the ending will only be within the walls of our Patreon community. So I I am a man. I'm a mean person. I want to wall 
off content. Eric Holmes, you want to give everything for free, don't you? You're you're a, yes. you're a man yes. of the people. How dare you? Yes. Bruce, are you a man of the people? Are you a Patreon? Do you want to do you want the all the hey, money? Hey, look at it this way. I think Eric is still too. We're both Patreon members, right? Yes. Yeah. We're still well, Patreon members. We're on the show now and we're Patreon <laughs> members. There is nothing that we can't listen to without paying for it and we're both Patreon members. So that, look at that. Thank you guys so much for that. Thank you for, for being Patreon members. So I'm, that is it. I'm a customer and <laughs> what is that? What is that old ad? <laughs> right. I'm a customer and a well, I'm not is that the men's warehouse or uh, yeah, yeah, hair yeah, club yeah. for men or something? One a of those little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. So again, 1999 for July. And again, Anderson, he's going to be saying his goodbyes tomorrow on our Patreon feed. So I'll put a link on our show notes. That is that. We love Anderson. Any final thoughts? Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky uh, on Anderson Cowan, episode 196. Before we get to our features. I just can't wait to review his movies when they come out. I want to talk to him about his movie. He's got so many irons in the fire. It's exciting, honestly. I, I'm really happy to to see where he's going. So I think, if anything, him not being here is because of great things that's happening for him. So yes. that's the way I want to look at it. And uh, and now that he's not here anymore, we can finally say what we really think of Groupers, which is it's the third greatest movie just under Gremlins and Gremlins 2. <laughs> Did you, wait, wait! It's the third greatest. Oh, wait, movie. I've always thought that. Never mind. That changes nothing. Groupers is the third greatest movie behind Citizen Kane and Barry Lyndon. So that's what. What do you think, Bruce? That, does that work? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave that for Anderson to uh, assess. I just, I'm just so glad that we're not going to have Anderson anymore. Not even for once a month, because I'm, to be honest, I'm a little bit sick and tired of covering all these Steven Spielberg films. He's such a fan. <laughs> he is such okay, Anderson. I'll watch Amistad again. All right. Actually, I, had, actually, I don't think I ever seen Amistad. Oh well. He, well, Anderson has. He's also seen Bridge of Spies. He has a collection. I saw Bridge of Spies. Well, Bridge of Spies. Yeah, I, 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 loved I, it, right? I tried very hard to stay awake through Bridge of Spies. Oh, how dare you! Don't say that again. We love you, Anderson. And the Post. God, people like the Post. And look, if you like the Post, good on you. But I, uh, I love the Post. I love the post. I love Emily Post. Yeah, we love Anderson I Cowan. I don't get we, it. We can Anderson, we can talk about you for the rest of the episode, but we want to keep our cinematics listeners. And here's the thing. If you are part of one more thing about Patreon, if you support our Patreon, this is the great news. You will still Anderson will still be Daniel Plain viewing our Patreon revenue. He still gets a, a cut from our monthly expenditures so he's all still part three of three dollars of it all, all three dollars of it he still gets a cut so support if you're supporting us you're also supporting anderson and here's the news bruce perky and eric holmes they had a, a little powwow they said hey greg let's build up our patreon members uh, to about a thousand two thousand and then half of it will go to greg trisvasi that being me and the other half goes to anderson bruce and eric thank you so much for that that's really wonderful thank you're you welcome Okay, so so bruce you didn't you didn't say you're welcome did you, no comment there? I, I did you just didn't hear it in your mind <laughs> Okay, now let's get to our featured reviews. Enough of me. Enough of Bruce. Let's just start off with the banger of the week. I'm going to say banger of the week because Bruce and I sloughed. I mean, we actually handed off this this movie to Eric Holmes. We were saying, Eric Holmes, he's like Mikey from those Life or Checks commercials. He's going to love it. Confidential Informant. It stars Nick Stahl. I think it stars Mel Gibson. It's a cop movie. It's about informants and they're confidential. Nick Stahl, there's no Terminator here. I wanted to see it. I didn't get around to seeing it. Eric Holmes, you're holding that mantle for Confidential Informant. What can you tell our cinematics listeners whether they should watch this movie, which comes out in theaters on June 30th, but then it's available as we speak on digital and on, on demand. What is this movie about? By certain big, aren't we? Is that sarcasm or just profundity? The, the, 
What? So first of all, I don't know if this is the way the movies release or if this is a screener I got, but the sound was very bad in this. I uh, did a Michael Jai White movie a couple weeks ago. For the most part, it was all right, but like the, the sound was like really bad. The sound's worse than this. And I don't know if that's the screener link I got or if that's what, what you'll get if you rent it to where like the music's on the right channel and the, the dialogue's on the left channel, like just like completely separated. So that was weird. But the story is actually not bad. It's a, uh, a cop finds out he's got AIDS and he's going to die shortly. Like cancer he's or AIDS? Die. Cancer or AIDS? I have IMDb cancer. They kind of they kind of say both. Oh, cool. um, I, I, think, I mean, not cool for that, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's AIDS, but because it's uh, I believe it's a period piece. I can't remember what year it's set in, but anyway, he's got some sort of disease and he's not going to live long. So he sets up him and his uh, partner Nick Stahl. Uh, Dominic Purcell, I believe, is the one with AIDS, and Nick, his partner Nick Stahl set up this thing that they're going to uh, set up this thing with his drug dealer and get the drug dealer to shoot Dominic Purcell and kill him so his family gets like uh, gets uh, insurance money from being on the for- you know, dying on the job, pretty much. That happens about halfway through the movie, and then you get to watch the fallout from that. So the setup, the setup in the story is really good. Uh, believe the writing credits is Michael Kacek, Brooke Nasser, and Michael Oblowitz, who yeah, is Oblowitz. also the director. I think I'm not sure, but given the, the, I'm guessing Michael Kacek was the main writer on this. Uh, probably rewrites from Brooke, Brooke Nasser and Michael Oblowitz. Maybe, maybe not. This reminded me a lot of Hard Kill. Yeah. So. We saw Hard Kill, and I remember not liking it a whole lot. But we talked to Joe Russo, and we had Joe Russo on the on the show, not the MCU Joe Russo, but the cool Joe Russo from Postmortem with Mick Garris. And he actually sent me the script for it was called Open Source, which became Hard Kill. And so, because I'm watching Hard Kill, I'm like, this is just this just isn't good. What happened here? And then I read it. it he sent me a script, the original script. And I read that and I'm like, why didn't they make this movie? This script is awesome. I wonder because Confidential Informant has such a cool idea for a story. And some of the stuff, like some of the, you know, uh, dialogue and, you know, stuff they're talking about in it is good. It's just not done well. It's not executed very well. Mm. Actually, actually it's, in, it's executed pretty poorly for the most part. Uh, acting's fine. Story is really cool. This is a movie, if you're going to remake movies, remake this. I don't know what the original script was, but I'm guessing there's something brilliant here. There's a brilliant movie here that would be like on the level of To Catch a Killer. You know, so there's something on that level. This isn't it. This is like, I don't know what happened. Uh, I mean, the the sound's bad. The the action's bad. The editing's bad. The, the only thing that's really holding this thing together is an interesting story and the, the acting. Everything else just kind of, uh, and it's really, it's really frustrating too, because, you know, you, you see something that's like, wow, there was so much, uh, um, what was it? Uh, the snowman from great, the direct- great film. No. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. No. no. Just from kidding, the just from the director of yeah. uh, Let the Tinker, Right One In, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, Mike, Mike, yeah. Michael Fassbender, uh, yeah. you know J.K. Simmons. Uh, it's got the Scorsese's director. Like it had like so much talent behind it, and it just the movie's broken. And, you know, it, 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 it fell apart. And I'm watching the snowman going, "How the hell did this happen?" I kind of feel the same way about Confidential Informant. Now, 
maybe I read the original script and the script is terrible. I don't think so. I think there was something from the time the script was bought to the, the finished product, something went horribly wrong. And I can't quite put my finger on what it was. But this would absolutely be due for a remake or just I, I, I kind of want to throw money at the screenplay and just go, hey, hey guys, redo. Just <laughs> just do a redo. You know, if if I was independently wealthy, I totally would be. But this movie is not good. But there's like so much potential in here. I, I almost kind of want to point people to watch it just to see if they see what I see in this. Because it and like, don't you know, it, you're going to watch it and you're going to know that it's not great. But this, you know, this would be like a fun experiment or, you know, an experiment. I don't know if it'd be fun. It'd definitely be an experiment to where, hey, let's watch this bad movie and try to pick out the little gems in this and see uh, if we can figure out what went wrong or see, like, what could be done again to kind of elevate it to where it needs to be. Yeah, the, we mentioned the snowman that's directed by Thomas Alfredson. As yeah. Again, he was a really good director. And by the way. It's available on Netflix for streaming. So I don't know, Eric, if you would recommend that movie just for, for people to watch the, the the pieces of the movie that actually work. Because I think we talked about The Snowman. It's an interesting enough movie to watch. It's like you said, it's just broken, It's yeah. which makes it interesting, I guess, right? Well, like the, like J.K. Simmons, like his accent changes because I guess he was trying he was trying an accent. If they decided to go against it. Don't worry, we'll reshoot that stuff. But they never got around to reshooting the things. Mm-hmm. And then the editor's like, "Here, throw something together with this." And she's like, "Oh, geez, what the hell are you trying to do?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think with the snowman, like as they were making the movie, they just cut all funding of it and just put together what you can with what you have. I don't think that's quite what went on here. But there's something went terribly wrong here. I I don't quite know what it is. But again, the 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 idea for the story is really good. Some of the dialogue in it, like you know, it was really snappy and works. And I think the I believe the screenwriter used to be an uh, ex ex policeman, ex cop. My thoughts on cops aside, he seems to understand. Like the the dialogue they have between each other seems to be realistic as far as I know. Yeah, the, this just needs a redo is all. Wow, this is very interesting because it's one of these things where does this apply because you found it to be an interesting watch? What kind of rating would you give confidential informant Eric Holmes? Well, it was it was still watchable and there were still uh there were still nuggets of good stuff in this. So I give it two stars. Um, this is not a zero star movie. That's the snowman. The snowman's completely broken. And it's just, I'm disappointed because there's so much potential there. And it's kind of, it's kind of sad that this was the the movie that ended up because of, you know, as a result of that cool story or that's not, didn't quite make sense. The, the movie's about as good as this review. It just kind of battling. And, <laughs> and well, look, you said the ensemble again, it has Mel Gibson, Kate Bosworth, yeah. Nick Stahl. Dominic Purcell, I'm sure if you're a fan of Prison Break, you might want to actually invest some time in Confidential Informant just for the actors, which is, I think you said there were good performances in Confidential Informant. Unfortunately, this movie just didn't execute it so well. I yeah. Maybe if I have time, maybe I will get to Confidential Informant. I think as we as this, this is recording, this podcast is recording, Bruce is trying to get back onto this Zoom chat and we'll see if he gets back on. Until then, Eric Holmes, I was... Actually, I'm trying to do some recommendations for cinematics, getting some kind of uh, back and forth with our with our Facebook group. What can you say about our cinematics Facebook group that 
works for you, Eric? Why do you love our group so much? What do you think? I was just uh, mostly getting uh, interesting questions, movie picks, so on and so forth. Who's the one that keeps posting the the bits? You click it and you go to the website and it gives you a movie picture, the framed. Oh, right, right. The fr- yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ken Cunningham or Joseph Bridges. Or M- no, it's not Chat- Joseph Bridges. I think it might be Ken Cunningham. Jesus. My no worries. Yeah, yeah, sucks. yeah. The, the frame. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. those are always fun. People always come up with like fun like games to play. Or like Joseph Bridges recently put up something about why does everyone care about movie box office or like the, the yeah, finances, was- of, finances of movies. Because like, we, we have no stake in it. So why does anyone care? And on top of that, we don't know what we're talking about when, you know, talking about economics like that. And, uh, you know, just, not just that, but like stuff like that, we're kind of, oh, yeah. <laughs> why, why do we care about that? It is kind of stupid. Like, you know, people always come up with like fun sort of uh, thought experiments and ideas and, you know, beyond just the what's your top five favorite blah, blah, blah movie. Although those are fun, too. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great group and we have good friends there and everything that Eric said and more. I also, when I do my weekly giveaways on Blu-ray and DVD, I just hit up the members of the Facebook group community and I said, Hey, if you want, you can read the post. There's different ways to enter. But since you're, if you're a Facebook group member, I'll just say, just say I'm in and I'll hook you up. I mean, yeah. you're, you get an entry. So if you want, if you're a physical media fan, you like Blu-rays and DVDs, possible digital codes, hit us up on cinema, join our cinematics Facebook group, because I usually just go in and offer up these giveaways to them first before I posting, before posting the real giveaways on the site. So basically you get early access. If you're a member of cinematics, not just to these great reviews and thought experiments that Eric Holmes was talking about, but also for Blu-rays and DVDs, I get a lot of feedback from the members and you get early access to these giveaways. Now you also get movie recommendations, Eric. And I actually, mm-hmm. I get, I will actually uh, go back and forth with you on a couple of our members and their movie recommendations. First of all, middle-class film class host, Peter Beta says he watched Rango on Paramount Plus, saw it when it first came out and liked it well enough, but I really loved it on second watch. It's a Nickelodeon movie, but plenty of scenes that are pretty intense or dark. That's a recommendation. Rango, would you recommend it too, Eric? A little bounce off on that. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but Rango's definitely one of the fun non-Pixar type movies. Okay, cool. And then there's another one from Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith, by the way, I think recently he, he saw, what did he see? He saw the John Hamm movie. What was it, John Hay, hey Bruce? What's the John Hamm movie again? The Coen Brothers type? What is it? Um, Something Moore's or something. It's Maggie Moore's. Maggie Moore. Oh, so yeah. Ryan Smith recently, our, our Facebook group member, he recently saw it and he said, hey, he agreed with your review of it. And he liked that movie as well. But Ryan Smith's recommendation was he watched Misery for the first time. It was excellent. I still have not seen this movie. Very Bruce, Bruce, would you recommend it? Eric, recommend it? Yes. Misery or Maggie Moore's? Oh, Yes misery. to both. <laughs> yes to one. <laughs> yes to one. And that would be misery. And Alec Vasquez, who's been a part of our group, group in a while, he's, he says, the King of Kong, quote, probably my favorite all-time documentary. King of Kong, is it, a, is it an all-timer for any of you guys? Bruce, Eric? I, I liked it. It wasn't an all-timer for me. Mm-hmm. Bruce? Yeah, I, I, I like it quite a bit, too. I'm kind of the same as Eric, but I, I love – it has one of the best – 
documentary villains of all time, I think. Yeah. yeah. Very, very, very good. Okay. I, I definitely need, I've had a screener of it for, I don't know, since it came out, there are so many movies I still haven't seen. Bruce and Eric, no, I actually really don't watch any of these movies. It's just Bruce and Eric doing the, I'm just, I'm pantomiming. Yeah. I'm, I'm just pretending. Bruce, am I doing good at pretending that I see these movies on cinematics? You're doing so good. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, okay. Keep it thank up, you. I, thank you. I love that dry wit, dry wit, Bruce Perky, Matt, St- finally, Matt Stillman, his three recommendations are last hurrah for chivalry, Peking Opera Blues and Across the Spider-Verse. I've not heard of any of these movies. Are my recently watched recommendations? I will not watch. Oh, wait. I'm sorry, Bruce. You are a spider across the Spider-Verse, all the Spider-Verse movies you love with a passion, correct? Yeah, they're really, really good for sure. Okay. Okay. So th- th- this is uh, just a little bit of a interaction. Tell, tell us if you like any of these movies we mentioned, we recommended or the, our Facebook group members recommended. What's up listeners. Force five is a show about movie related top five lists hosted by me, blacklist screenwriter and ex video store cinephile, Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com. But as far as recommends, let's go to Netflix right now. And there's a movie that comes out this week. It's an animated film. It's called Nimona. Here's the IMDb plotline summary. Nimona? Nimona, don't say that. <laughs> Nimona, Nimona, my fault. Or Nimona. Nimona, when an, quote, when a knight in a futuristic medieval world is framed for a crime he didn't commit, the only one who can help him prove his innocence is Nimona, not Nimona, a mischievous teen, not mischievous, mischievous or mischievous, a mischievous teen who happens to be a shape-shifting creature he's sworn to destroy. That shape-shifting creature, a.k.a. Nimona, is voiced by Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed from The Sound of what, Eric? The Sound of? <laughs> the Sound of Metal. Love that, Eric Holmes. Riz Ahmed, he is the knight, the aforementioned knight who is basically accused of committing a crime of murder, but he's trying to clear his name. So it's basically the friendship, the relationship of Nimona and Balster Boldheart, the aforementioned knight played by, voiced by Riz Ahmed, and it's their journey into clearing Balister's name. Nimona is so all powerful, you know her her life's goal is just to be his sidekick. Which I'm wondering, how does that work? How does a powerful human being, a powerful quote unquote monster, Nimona hates that word. How does that monster Nimona, who's so powerful, why does she just want to be a sidekick to Balister Boldheart? Who knows? I'm an all-powerful person, and all these years, I've been a sidekick to Anderson Cowan. I don't know. Am I a monster, Bruce? <laughs> Is Greg Shuzavasti a monster like Nimona? Just like Nimona. Thank, thank you. Drywood again. Bruce, Nimona, animated film. A lot of, well, lot of snap, crackling, pop dialogue, and I'm thinking, I'm sure Bruce is hating this. He's hating that banter. <laughs> Bruce, what are you thinking? I tried really hard to hate this movie. I really did. Um, for the first... I was rolling my eyes pretty hard at the beginning of this because it was just that that really bright, fast, cell shaded, you know, wisecracking and Nimona, like lots of like some pop references thrown in there, all those things that were driving to drive me crazy in these kind of movies. And for a good chunk of it, maybe a third of it, I was like, I might really hate this movie. We didn't mention also Nimona wants to be a sidekick, but she really wants him and her to be a villain. They want, they want, they want, let's be the villains of this story. Let's be the villains, which I kind of thought that kind of sparked me a little bit like, okay, that's kind of fun. That's kind of interesting. And also the whole thing that she shapeshifts into different 
things. And there's an early sequence where she shapeshifts a whole bunch to escape the castle when uh, they're under attack, which is kind of fun. And this slowly won me over. First of all, these kind of movies, if you're not the age group that it's aimed for, can be tedious or really tiresome. Bruce, what is the age group? What is the age range? Because there are probably there's death in this movie. Are you be, yeah, I would say this is probably like eight or nine to twelve, something like that. You know, like older little kids, younger before they're full teen kind of kids. I think that's kind of what it's aimed for. But I ended up really enjoying this movie. I ended up really liking it quite a bit. I didn't love it, but I was started becoming more and more engaged with the story. I started really liking Nimona's character. And as her backstory kind of comes out, and as you kind of get the idea of why she is the way she is, I started actually caring for her character and enjoying kind of the journey she was on, even more so than Ballister old heart but 100 but, but he was okay too and i i liked him and and i and i rizamed is great and he gave a lot of you know character both of them actually him and grace moretz uh, chloe grace moretz did a lot to bring the characters to life which of course is their their job overall i ended up quite quite enjoying this and i think this could be a real a real hit for that age group. And I think for a Netflix movie of this type, it's pretty strong. I think this has is a great companion piece kind of to Seeing Red. It's not the same as Seeing Red, but I think those two could be, they kind of deal with similar themes, I think. And this is one of these movies that could be divisive, depending on your leanings, because the a lot of the leads, the romantic leads are male. Ballister Boldheart, his best friend is Ambrosius I love this golden loin voiced yeah. by Eugene Lee Yang. And they are fellow warriors and knights of this. And they're vowed to protect the whole city or the town, the whole world from a quote unquote monster and whatnot, or evil essentially. So they're not just colleagues. They're not just best friends. They are potential lovers as well. So that's very cool. I think that's a very, as far as representation goes regarding this movie, I completely agree with you for the first third I was thinking, as much as I try to be funny with my quick-witted thing, and I try to be like, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm the only one who's laughing at my jokes. No, you guys laugh too because out of kindness. Thank you guys so much. But it, it got wearying after a while. It got it got wearying. But then there's a reason why it got wearying because it it knocks you over. It it takes you off balance because then you realize the story. Well, I, I don't even look. It's not too much of a spoiler. There is a lot of story behind the night in this movie, but ultimately the story is a coming of age for Nimona. And I thought that little sweepy under the rug surprise was was a really great sleight of hand for Nimona. I, I ended up really loving this movie. And I think the flaws in the beginning were intended for the for the uh, pack power punches of the Acts, acts 2 and 3. That's my personal opinion. I, I hope more people gravitate to this as as you and I do. So. I think it has a really good score, too. I think it has some great pop songs in there, which can be annoying, but I think these ones are really, really good and fit with her character. And also, I wanted to mention, you talk about his love interest early on. I think what they did that's really smart is by him being accused of murder and being kind of an outcast or um, even a villain for the whole kingdom there, that they're pitted against each other in this movie. So you actually have an interesting relationship between them that you weren't expecting to happen all the way through too. So I, I like that. Okay. So Nimona on Netflix, Friday, June 30th, Bruce Perky, your rating. I was very surprised. I came down three and a half on this. I would have definitely expected to be a two or something at the beginning. And I came out three and a half, which is for me is pretty solid for this. 
So. Okay, solid three and a half star rating for Bruce. And Eric, what do you think I gave Nimona? What is my rating on Nimona, Eric Holmes? Why don't you I write don't it down? No. Oh, you Four don't know? Stars. Four stars. Okay. Four stars. Yes, that is my rating on Nimona. Four stars for me. I liked it a tick more than Bruce Perky, but let us, most importantly, let us know what you think of Nimona if it works for you. And one of these days, Bruce, maybe you and I will see Confidential Informant. I, we're, it's like one of these things. We don't have time to watch 20 movies a week. I think one of these days I, I'm regretting so many movies that I haven't seen. Maybe, who knows? Maybe I might like Confidential Informant. Eric didn't. He gave it two stars. We'll see what's up. I don't know, though. Is Confidential Informant or Nimona as good as a movie called Love Gets a Room? Ladies, two minutes to cotton. Today they will take their hands out of their coats and clap. We have to go on stage. They make a good couple, don't they? We have to talk. We're leaving the ghetto. What? We're leaving the ghetto, you and me, tonight. Patrick wants to escape tonight after the show. Do you want to go with him? No. Do you want to stay here? No. I want to be with you. Besides I've loved a lot of men. Believe me, there's always another. Go with Patrick. I don't love him. If he won't let you go, then maybe... Maybe what? Maybe he doesn't really love you. Read your next song for someone who cares about you. What matters here is being loved, child. Not loving. What happened here? What have we done? What have we done to what? To live like this. Romeo and Juliet were fools. Who wants to die for love? Why is it so easy for you to give me up? Because I don't want you to die. We're all going to die. We're already dead. Did you perceive your danger? Stop it! What's Stop. going on here? Sit! Stop it! What would you be willing to do to leave the ghetto? Anything. I won't leave Edmund. Then you'll die here. You think I'm happy about staying, that I want to die here? This is what we are! What we have left! It's love what we loved. It's the eternal question. You're making a mistake. You can't trust anyone anymore. What would you do for me? I haven't done anything. No, of course not. They will clap today. I promise. Is that a movie about two tawdry, sexual, erotic, erotically charged a couple getting a motel room no bruce or eric holmes love gets a room sounds very pot boilerish or maybe not bruce perky it's not it's not a pot boiler sexual thriller or exploitation film is it something more substantive than that love gets a room. it might be it might be Could it be set in 1942 Warsaw, Poland? It could be, yes. In, in the Warsaw ghetto, and it, yes. the lead is Clara Rugard, and she plays this really talented woman, Polish woman, who can sing, she can dance, she can act. But the thing is, it's 1942, Poland and Warsaw. There's no Hollywood here. There's no cinema. Okay, This is all a play within the confines of the stress that is life. The opening moments of this Rodrigo Cortez directed film is I think a 10 to 12 minute opening one shot or maybe a trick one shot where you see Clara Rugard's character start off with maybe the outdoors of Warsaw as she kind of just works her way through the, that street into the theater. And the, much of the rest of the movie 
takes place in the theater while Clara and her fellow friends and fellow actors, they're trying to perform a play in front of everyone in the theater just for a little bit of maybe an hour or two of refuge. You, you see the play, which was an actual play from, 19, from the 1940s, and then you actually see the life that go, goes behind the play as well. And then there's the life outside that, which is obviously death and misery and tragedy. Very multi-layered plot line. And it's not a Tawdry film. It's very substantive. Let's start with Bruce Perky. Your thoughts on Love Gets a Room. I'm sure I missed a lot along the way regarding my synopsis. Yeah, I, I love this movie, actually, surprisingly more than I thought I would. And, and I'd be curious to hear how you two come down on it. Yeah, so the opening definitely is 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 great because it it drops you, literally drops you down along the wall between the ghetto and the non-ghetto. But you're going to go on the ghetto side and you're going to follow Stesha as she starts and winds her way through various parts of the outside. And one of the things that happens right off the gate, which I think kind of sets the scene for how this movie works, is one of the places she stops along the way is a line, a checkpoint. And the Nazis there are doing this thing where they're like, hey, mate, laugh, laugh, we want you to laugh. It's like this cruel little game they're playing. And you get the feeling very quickly, if you don't laugh, that you might be in peril. So Stefsha standing next to this older woman who she's telling you, you have to laugh, you have to laugh. And right there, it kind of sets a microcosm of the movie, which is acting can possibly save your life in this situation. So it's really an awesome way to kind of set the scene. And then she, of course, winds back and you get into the theater and you find out what we're really going to be the main bulk of this movie. Once again, to, to reiterate what you said, the love gets a room is an actual play that actually was performed a bunch of times in the Warsaw ghetto. They have the in the interview you gave, they have the script of it. They have the lyrics of the songs that were in it. They didn't have the music. So this movie gives you the songs with music that they have written, thinking, you know, doing their best to recreate it. And what this does is very interesting in that you have you have an outside story, kind of a love triangle. Then they go back and forth between the actual love triangle and there's big stakes there. And then they, you see the, the, the play happening in interspersed with the same characters, also in a love triangle. And then you see them perform these, the, the play and the songs, but there's also subtext going on each time they perform those songs between them. And then the outside world at one point starts intruding upon the stage. And according to your interview, all the music that you hear in here was not done like on a soundstage. It sounds like it was done as they were performing this. Yeah. So this is an amazing movie and a beautiful movie. And I, I love it. I love this movie so much. And it's got emotion if you want it. It's got high stakes and points if you want it. It's got some drama. It's got some comedy. It's got musical. And it's got a musical where and I'll stop talking in a second, but <laughs> it's got a yeah. musical where the songs aren't coming out of nowhere in this kind of fake thing, which is a thing we take with musicals, right? They're going to just start singing. Yeah, and that's There's fine. a reason they're going to be singing because yeah. they're on a stage and they're doing a play. Right. So I, I, I love this movie. I think I've I've said this. I I think Clara Rugard is a star, or maybe it's yes. actual. Okay, good. I, I was one, I was going to ask you about that because maybe it's just the movie itself. But yeah, she. I think she. I haven't seen Black Mirror. I know she's in the the new season of Black Mirror. But Clara Rugard, remember the name. She's wonderful. Is this movie wonderful, Eric Holmes? You. I'm so glad that you you got a chance to see Love Gets Room as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I had to watch it a couple times because I I didn't quite get it all the first time 
And I'll, I'll explain why here in a second. So first of all, this is like a great way to do an adaptation of something uh, because they're essentially doing an adaptation of the play. But then all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is kind of, you know, a one-to-one counterpart or sometimes used in ironic ways. Like the stuff going behind the scenes kind of almost mirrors in different ways to what's actually going on on the play. So it was a really interesting and clever way to do an adaptation. The acting in this is phenomenal. And it kind of has to be because like, so they're on stage and they're doing that stupid, you know, community theater overacting that they do. And then as soon as they get off stage, boom, you know, they're, they're in serious mode because of all the stuff that's going on. I mean, Bruce mentioned the love triangle, but they're also, uh, it's not quite the Nazi Germany that we all you know, are familiar with. It's like just before that, but everyone knows it's kind of getting there. What are they trying to do? Like escape the ghetto before the, there was a word for it. And I can't remember what it is before it basically, before they start transporting the uh, Jewish people to concentration camps. Like I, I get the sense that they don't know exactly that that's happening yet, but they know something bad's coming and they know they got to get out of there. And so there's all that going on behind the scenes. You know, you have the love triangle that kind of exacerbates that. And so there's like a lot of anger and emotion going on behind the scenes. And then, oh, you're up. Turn on the smile. Get on the dance face. And it's like, <laughs> like j- just the way they're able to switch back and forth so quick. There's a scene at the end. You know what scene I'm talking about. Uh, we'll we'll leave it there. It's probably one of the most stressful suspenseful scenes i've seen that i think that scene rivals the opening of inglorious bastards yes i agree yeah and uh wow okay it's yeah it's right there with it and one of the i guess one of the things and this is why i had to watch it again because the opening one shot kind of threw me off because you know like she's she's going through the checkpoint like bruce said and then at one point she's like, you know, she's on the rickshaw. She jumps off, gets behind this wall. The Nazis come in and then someone's trying to take her coat and then she leaves. And one of the Nazis shooting her and she's like running, she's running. Everyone hide, be quiet, hide. And then all of a sudden she's in a, she's backstage of a theater. Like the, the geography didn't quite make sense to me. Like why they didn't, why, why the Nazis didn't keep chasing her. But then as I'm watching the movie, and then you see the back and forth between what's going on on stage and what's going on backstage. This is not a narrative. It it it, it comes off as a regular narrative, but this is like a not quite dream logic and not quite straight narrative. There's like that. There's a lot more going on to this than meets the eye because there's transformers. Kidding, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, there. Uh, so I had to watch it again, and I'm starting to like pick up the ideas of what art or just love and happiness can do to bring you out of certain situations that you can't do anything about. And the importance of that, I don't know that being, and maybe I'm undervaluing art by saying this, but I don't know that putting on a play is equal to what the Jewish people had to endure during the Nazi reign. Like that, that seems a bridge too far. But also, I might be reading a bit too much into it. But other than that, yeah, this has this has a lot going on for it, and that like just the the straight filmmaking aspects of it is like next level. The acting's fantastic. You know, the play is kind of lame, but that's kind of you know community theater. You know, that's kind of what. You, but but it doesn't work without the the stuff 
yeah, this. Sorry, I'm babbling way too much. This is no, no, you're not. Good stuff. <laughs> Again, the filmmaker is Rodrigo Cortez. I'm a, our. You can check out our review on Find Your Film. I mean, our interview with Rodrigo Cortez on our Find Your Film podcast or on YouTube or, or Deepest Dream. It's all over the place. And I guess Eric Holmes, you did some extra work because towards the end of the interview, Bruce, what what he did was he he talked about one of his. Oh, I don't know if, if it's misbegotten children, his affection for one of his broken children and that movie being Red Lights. And I think Eric Holmes for our cinematics recommendation segment, which will be later down in this episode. I think Eric is going to say a couple of words about Red Lights. We'll get to that in a second. So yeah. con- congratulations, Eric. You're, you're doing extra homework, which I told you not to. I told oh, you only Bruce does the homework. You and I can, uh, you, you and I should be on easy street. That's our little secret. Okay. Don't do that again. Don't, don't do that extra homework You're doing too much work. But anyways, love gets a room. Bruce, you get the final thought, a final comment before we get to ratings. Between me and Eric, we said a lot. I think you should try to get out. If you can see this in the theater, I say go for it. I think oh, yeah. this would be awesome in the theater. Uh, if you can't, uh, it's worth whatever they're going to charge to rent it on demand. I would, consider buying this movie, honestly. And also I want to say, the last thing I'll say is the resurgence of a song from earlier in the movie that comes again over the closing credits is also gorgeous. And the closing credits are some of my favorite closing credits this year too. So, Oh, the, uh, yes. The music is fantastic. I, I have it playing on my Spotify list. There's so many things to love about Love Gets Room. I think Eric and Bruce really covered it. I, I'm so glad that they, they they actually review the film, so I don't have to say darn, a darn thing and just throw throw down my five star rating for Love Gets a Room. It's one of my favorite films this year. Barnon Clau again, Clau Rugard is a star. Rodrigo Cortez. I need to actually start watching Buried and Red Lights. I I did see a movie he did in 2018 called Down a Dark Hall. I remember I, after interviewing him now, I might want to see that again, see if it works for me. It did work for me back in 2018. I might appreciate it a little bit more. Let's get to Eric Holmes's rating on Love Gets Room. What, what are you giving it? You know, I really liked Birdman. Birdman was a great movie. And this kind of does a lot of similar stuff that Birdman does. But I think this is more clever and uh, a lot more impactful in ways. Just like I said with the uh, Elemental Reimagined Wildfire, I don't know how they do this movie better. So you got to go five stars. Five stars. Bruce, rain on our parade. What, I will not. Rating? I'll just rain another five. It's five star banger across the board. Five star banger across the board, especially if all three of us say it's good. It's good. Okay. Don't don't argue with us. <laughs> no, or maybe no. I'm kidding. Argue with us if you want. Tell us what you think about Love Gets Room. They're saying, basically, if it's in theaters and you can and you have some extra money, go see it on theaters for the music, for the actual the beautiful uh, opening shot, and just for the overall story structure. So really great movie in theaters but eventually when it's on demand in theater you know it's on demand i'll make sure you guys get the links as far as where to purchase it in your various digital respective digital retailers so that is love gets a room i think we're done with our feature reviews yes we are i think we're done with almost everything oh let's get to our recommendations oh you know what red lights it is it worth watching Maybe worth watching a little bit more, Eric, because you love Love Gets a Room. Did you appreciate it more? Because it seemed like Rodrigo was a little bit not down on his movies. He felt a little bit of, of protectiveness regarding well, the, Red Lights. The only other movie I seen of his was Buried. And I yeah. with Ryan Reynolds, I love that movie. Um yes. in fact, the the fact that uh Love Gets a Room, the acting was so good, it was like, yeah, that tracks because uh I I don't think Ryan Reynolds has been better than what what he did and buried um you know it's just one guy in a box we're gonna make a movie of it and it's a <laughs> it's a nail biter um and then so i watched love gets a room but like that i was like oh 
the, the weird thing is I didn't know the thing about red lights. <laughs> I just was like, oh, I did a movie called the red lights. It's playing on YouTube. Cool. I'll watch that. And uh, this one was not quite as good as those two, but I still kind of appreciated it more than I liked it uh, because it's about basically Killian Murphy and Sigourney Weaver. They're like, uh, you know, they, they, they do kind of like the James Randi thing. James Randi will go to like uh, yeah, claim psychics yeah. and whatnot and, you know, yeah. debunk them. And that's pretty much what they do. Where this movie loses me is the main bad guy is Robert De Niro plays this guy, Simon Silver. He's like the really good psychic. Ooh, yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, you, you got you got all these, uh, you know, fly by night psychics, but Robert De Niro's the real deal. You don't want to go toe to toe with him. And I think uh, one of the things is that like he's they blame him for murder pretty much because uh, he also does like uh, along with psychics. You also have faith healers. He does like kind of versions of that. And like a lot of people say, hey, I want to talk to uh, my dead relative. What's so wrong with that? And actually, Killian Murphy has a great response to that. He's like, uh, I think it was his mom or so- someone had a, uh, you know, a lot of pain in their side. And they went to this, uh, they went to the psychic and they're like, oh, you need the essential oils or you need to do this, this and this. And they're like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with them believing in that? They say, just do this, do this. I'll put my hands on you this way. And then magically the pain goes away. And they're like, wow, yeah, yeah, the pain did go away. This person really works. And then what happened? Well, they died (laughs) because they didn't get medical attention because they were they were spending so much time following this, you know, charlatan. So that's their whole thing. The, but anyway, with the Robert De Niro character, like he's kind of like the the really good version of this, which kind of threw me off because all you know, faith healers and psychics and all that, even even the really good ones that you believe. Oh, Eric, you didn't see you didn't see what I saw. They're all tricks. They're all magic tricks. Robert De Niro's character shouldn't be like a super one. So like I, I, <laughs> the, the, the main premise of the movie I thought was kind of stupid, but there's enough in there, you know, kind of uh, exposing different, how these different tricks work. So I kind of appreciate it for that. Um, it was just the, the overall story and the, the premise was kind of stupid. Mm. Again, but I, I, I still enjoyed it. But I would say probably just watch, uh, go on YouTube and watch James Randi stuff. Darren Brown. Darren Brown does the exact same thing, and it's a lot more exciting. This movie's not bad. It's just I, I don't think what they're trying to say works for a thriller. If you want to check out Red Lights on streaming, it's currently as of this IMDb page says it's what you can watch it free on Freebie and other people on the in the ensemble or ensemble. I don't know. I'm kidding. Ensemble. Toby Jones, Craig Roberts from, from I, I mm-hmm. guess, I believe, Submarines in it, and also Elizabeth Olsen and Jolie Richardson. So it has some, has some yeah, Elizabeth members. Olsen plays woman. Plays woman. <laughs> woman. Plays that, woman. That, that, that's probably another problem. Like, so you really all you need is uh, Killian Murphy, Sigourney Weaver, and Toby Jones. And of course, Robert De Niro. Because Toby okay. Jones, he's like the cynic that bad at his job. Okay, so again, that's Red Lights, written and directed by Rodrigo Cortez. Watch it on Freebie. Tell us what you think. A lot of inspiration goes behind Love Gets a Room. It's so much inspiration that Bruce Perky also decided to do a little bit of research and watch his own movie or spinoff or inspiration. Maybe can you tell us about that, Bruce? Yeah, I, I have never I, I've never seen the original To Be or Not To Be. I'd, I'd seen the remake a long time ago that uh, Mel Brooks did. And I knew it was a remake, but I never had gone around to actually watching To Be or Not To Be. And I thought, 
this seems like a perfect chance to watch To Be or Not To Be, because To Be or Not To Be, filmed in 1942, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, takes place in, guess where? Warsaw, Poland, oh, very in good. 1942. So what is this movie? Uh, I mean, most people know what this movie is, but I bet a lot of people younger than maybe 30 or so probably have never gone to watch this movie. Maybe my age never gone to watch this movie. Um, I've never seen it. Um, by the way, I think I watched this on Max. It's a lot of places. Stars Carol Lombard in her final role as Maria or Maria Tura, and then Jack Benny as Joseph Tura, and Robert Stack as the third part of the love triangle. Are you seeing something interesting? Here? Oh, very okay. Interesting. Uh, Maria and Joseph are actors. They are famous actors in Poland. They have a, a troupe. Uh, this movie. Okay, I can't describe what's so great about this movie without you watching it. You have to watch it. First of all, when you watch this movie, if you've seen Mel Brooks movies, if you watch this movie for probably about 20 or 30 minutes, and uh, I'll credit Joseph Bridges for this part of the review because he he kind of mentioned this too, you will be immediately sell that Mel Brooks loved this movie because there's a type of banter and there's a type of subversive, this is subversive satire in here at the time that Hitler is still... All of this stuff is going on when this movie is getting made. And the satire on the Nazis in this movie is great. And it's wrapped up in a screwball romantic comedy where you basically have this young air cadet who is kind of trying to romance Jack Benny's character's wife. And in fact, that's where to be not to be comes. I'll tell you this really quick. If you don't know this. Why it's called to be or not to be is that she tells him like, well, if you want to come see me in my dressing room, wait till my husband starts the soliloquy. And when he says to be or not to be, come and come and meet me because it's going to take a while. So what will happen is he'll start to be or not to be. And, you know, the flight, Joseph, uh, um, Robert Stack character will stand up and immediately Jack Penny's like getting upset because he's watching this guy stand up and walk out on him in his soliloquy. <laughs> To go off and meet his wife. He doesn't know that's what the guy's doing. Anyway, there's a whole convoluted subplot. There's a whole bunch of misdirection. All the actors have to play Nazis and various people to try to to basically become, you know, the counterintelligence at the time in, in Poland and try to keep all of these bad things from happening in a screwball comedy package. Uh, even to the point that there's one point where they have an ongoing joke where they're calling... A German, what do they call him? <laughs> Concentration Camp Earhart. And holy crap, that was in this. First of all, to, the fact that you can make that as a joke is crazy. But the fact that it's in here, when it was not even really a widely known thing, what concentration camps were, is kind of amazing. There is a ton of interesting stuff in here. I think it ages very, very well. It's funny. It's complex. It's screwball. It's amazing performances i guess carol lombard last little bit of trivia the last <laughs> little thing about this is it was her last role she died before its release in a plane crash and she was beloved and apparently when they showed this on the screen every time she came on screen people were like cheering and, and applauding and stuff and it was like this crazy like final swan song for her because she is actually absolutely amazing in this movie i say check it out it's a no-brainer this is a wonderful movie and greg especially if you haven't watched this movie i, I just just tell your mom you want to watch this movie and watch it with her because i bet you she'll be on board if she hasn't uh, seen it like one of the reasons yeah sorry bruce one of the reasons why i haven't seen it is because uh did the whole thing with the carol lombard tragedy tragedy when i was a teenager yeah. 
I saw her in a movie. This is a teenager a long time ago. I saw her in a movie. I think it was called Made for Each Other with James Stewart. And I thought, my gosh, she is so talented. And to, to know that her career was cut, I still haven't seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So, oh, and, that's yeah. a, and that's a Hitchcock film. So I just don't want to get there yet. It, I'm, I'm, it I'm will make you sad because she is luminous. She is so fantastic in this movie, oh, but yeah. it's so good. It's so funny. And Jack Benny is amazing in this movie too. I, I just got to say from the opening moments, I, it's so great. Okay. I can't describe it. It's so fantastic. It'll this be is definitely a classic for a reason. And it, 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 some of those old movies just don't hit me. This hits me. It was great. It'll be interesting to see if we ever saw, or like if you ever see it, Bruce, the remake, which is again, Mel Brooks's remake mm-hmm. of To Be or Not To Be. I wonder if that works at all. Right. So it'd be interesting to see. It right. probably works okay. But I think part of the, the charm of this one is the fact that it literally is happening at the time. Like okay. when you're satirizing somehow something that's existing in the moment, that's pretty incredible. All right, Bruce, you're rating on the, it's currently streaming on classic. Classic. Five star classic. classic, five star classic. Okay. Five star classic. It's not a five star classic for Eric Holmes, but what is your rating for red lights? I apologize, Eric Holmes. Oh, I'll, I'll give it uh, three stars. Um, the, there was plenty good in it. There was some stuff that kind of bugged me, but overall I think it's a, uh, and I, again, this is kind of, uh, I think we're, between buried and a love gets a room rodrigo cortez is kind of at least for me now he's on a different he's on a different level because i know what he's capable of so red lights just doesn't cut it but if it was anyone if this was anyone else's movie i'd probably be like yeah that's pretty good but since i know what he's capable of it's kind of your i know what your five star movies look like this one's this one's three at best you know what? So I, are we done with recommendations or do you guys want to wrap up with recommendations or go straight to the box movie? Bruce, you're going to be the executive to make the call. What do you think? I got one really quick, short recommendation. Really quick. Yeah. Greg Shuzvasti? Yes. Sorry, <laughs> you. Go, yes. Watch this. Go, 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 okay. Go ahead. Uh, this is Joseph Bridges suggested this. It's a short. It's 30 minutes long. You can find it everywhere. It's from 1973, I do believe. It's a Spanish movie called La Cabina, which basically means the phone booth. It's fantastic. It's the it's the proto Black Mirror that you've never seen. You need to watch this if you haven't watched it. It is so good. It basically just starts. I'll just give you the, the premise and then I'll say, go watch this, people. Just go watch it. Uh, it starts out nice little peaceful park somewhere in Spain. Uh, you just see a truck pull up to the park. Two guys unload a phone booth, take it into the middle of the park, bolt it down, hook up the phone, make sure it works, prop the door open. Few minutes later, a guy and his little kid walk by. The park is getting busy. The kid throws his ball in the the phone booth. The the dad goes, takes it out, takes the kid, tests him off to school. On the way back, the the dad says, Oh, I'm going to, he thinks he's going to walk into the phone booth, goes into the phone booth. The door shuts behind him and won't open. And people start to gather. And I won't tell you what happens for the rest of 30 minutes, but this goes from slapstick kind of predicament comedy to apocalyptic. Hmm. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> La Cabina, that's La Cabina. 30 minutes probably goes by very fast because you're wondering what the heck's going on. That kind of thing. It, it's just it's just amazing filmmaking too. It's fantastic. This is, I don't know who funded it. This is not low budget. This is not a little, it's, it looks like a full-fledged movie. It's it's fantastic. Okay, so that is La Cabina per the recommendation of Joseph Bridges. By the way, Joseph Bridges, I want to tell you right now, Cinematics Facebook group member, I am embarrassed 
every single day at myself. I look at myself in the <laughs> yeah. mirror with all the wonderful movies you give to our group and you recommend. I, sometimes I just don't comment on most of them because I am jealous with envy at your knowledge, <laughs> Joseph Bridges. If you're listening to this podcast, how dare you fill us with such great <laughs> cinematic treasures? I don't like it one bit. Do you like it at all, Eric Holmes? I love it. How dare you? Luck it, be it, it, Joseph Bridges has given us some bangers. He's also uh, given us the, what was that dog movie? Oh God. I don't remember. It's like something goes, to, oh, I don't know. He picks the weird, he picks really weird things yeah. sometimes. I'm like, he, uh, you know how uh, you. And then there Eric, was that weird, that weird Power Rangers thing that wasn't yeah, Power Rangers. <laughs> Eric, you will do this. You'll pick movies. I'll be like, where the heck did Eric come up with this movie? But you're still like just touching the, the, the low yeah. toenail of Joseph Bridges. Cause he'll come up with things like, I'm like, what the hell is that movie? Yeah. You my shit's mainstream compared to what Joseph Bridges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> family show. I'm kidding. It's not a family show. Explicit. So S H I T Eric Holmes, you usually, you, you clean it up with the interviews, but you know what? I think I like, we need to use that E rating for, for, for something. So that S H I T is, will not be cut. I like that. I like oh. that a lot. <laughs> I didn't even realize I said it. <laughs> See, it's just part of the, part of the lingo. <laughs> That's just slid right out of me. And all you see Joseph Bridges, see what you're doing. All the, all the S is sliding and right and right up and down the show. And let me tell you something, Joseph Bridges, you might be about 800 to one as far as movie scores compared to me. I'm the one you're the 800. Okay. Great recommendations. Talk to me when you, when you watch this movie called scream of fear or taste of fear. That's a movie that I think is going to be amazing. I think Bruce would love it. I hope Eric loves it. I don't know if it's as great as Love Gets Room, but remember, Scream of Fear, Taste of Fear. Joseph Bridges, you need to get on it because like Bruce said, you have some amazing, impeccable taste. Let's see if you can find this movie and watch it and get back to us on what you think. Now, we're not going to wake up Sleeping Beauty. That is Eric Holmes' job. There's a there's a movie or is it a feature or it's something called Wake Up Sleeping Beauty. It's directed by Sheila Omi, I yep. believe. That yeah. interview that Eric Holmes did, it can be found on our Deep Stream YouTube channel as well as deepstream.com. I just put it up today. Tell us what, what this thing is about. Why were you so I, – I, I watched the interview, Eric. You really seem to love it. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, this one, uh, I won't go too much into it because we kind of get into it on in the interview. So you can watch the interview and uh, kind of hear her take on it. It's very rough around the edges. This was shot during COVID. She mentions that – uh, she green screened all the actors, kind of set their eye line and, uh, and had them all do their things individually. And you can tell this is just kind of written very well. And the, the setup of it is a woman is, you know, have, having a baby shower. She's about to have a kid. And then, you know, they go through monologues of her different people in her family and they're like kind of just getting out everything that they feel inside. Like the mom's like, Look, you know, is uh, you know he he's gay, and I don't have a problem with that. But why can't you just keep it to yourself? Like just saying utterly horrible stuff. And then the 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 main woman, she goes to sleep, and then she has this this little demon thing next to her, and they're you know kind of talking back and forth. It's kind of like a. It's been a while since I've seen it. In oh, this sucks. I forget the name. The chess movie, playing chess with death. Hmm. Oh, the Seventh Seal. Yes, yeah, Seventh Seal. Jeez, I don't forget. I was going to say I, searching for Bobby Fischer. Look at I, me. <laughs> it's got that. It's got that kind of flavor to it, where it's mostly just you know, it's mostly just talking. But you know, these people are like talking, like the it, they're not talking to each other. When they talk to each other, they just say random. Hey, oh, how's today? Pretty good. Blah blah blah. But then they go into their mind and they're like doing the monologues and they say the stuff they really think. And then the the woman hears all this and eventually goes back and it it just 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there. Watch it. It's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, Wake Up Sleeping Beauty. And again, very rough around the edges, but I think the writing's really solid. The acting's really good. And as I told Sheila Omi, this is like, like when I said uh, the confidential informant should be remade because they didn't they didn't do it right. You know, mm-hmm. it had so much potential, but they just missed the mark by a lot. This is more like a situation where it's like a, it was 12, probably, 12, oh. 12, 12 angry men. Right. I want to see people do 12 angry men or, you know, just get different actors and see their different takes on it. Maybe rewrite it a little bit to update for the times as you go. But then I, I, I just think, I just think this is really great. And it is rough around the edges as it is given the constraints of COVID when it was made. I think she did a really great job. And I also need to give uh, props to the writer, Mastane Magadam, Mastane okay. Mag- Magadam. I butchered that, um, but I didn't ask Sheila only how to pronounce her name. But anyway, yeah, go check it out. And if you want to know more, uh, check out the interview because Sheila Omi, she's pretty great. And it was a pretty great interview as well. Here's the good news. Wake Up Sleeping Beauty is available on YouTube and it's a mm-hmm. legit it's legit YouTube. You can just watch it on YouTube. Yep. So I, yeah, yeah. I asked her about that. I, I wasn't, sure. <laughs> she's like, Nope, that's, that's where it lives. Okay. It lives on YouTube. We will provide the link for wake up sleeping beauty where you can get it also regarding links. If it, one of the ways you can support us, not just the Patreon, if you purchase movies or anything via our Amazon links, I get all the money and Bruce, Eric, and Anderson get nothing. Is that is that cool, Bruce? You good? It's the, you yeah, don't want to so It's always been the rule. It's always been the rule. No, 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 no. All all four of us will will uh, get profit. So support cinematics. Shop on Amazon. There's links all over the show notes, and then our two websites, Deepest Dream and Find Your Film. So check those out. Now, Bruce, I'm going to give you the executive decision. I say I really want to see Mr. Death for next week because I I was too swamped with other movies to see. I wanted to actually review it with you. I can do that next week because we usually kicked. This is kicking the can. What we did with Anderson, kick Cowan. Mr. Death one more week. Yeah, because you know, remember when Anderson Cowan used to be? You know what? Whenever Anderson yeah. was here, he would have the That's Anderson cool. box. Okay, so look, we, we will kick be- Mr. Death one more week. We will. Mr. Mr. Yes. Fred A. Leuchter gets to wait one more week, which the is rise, okay. the rise and fall because we kicked Fred A. Leuchter. Yes, Mr. Death. And maybe, who knows? Maybe I think I don't know if Eric's seen Mr. Death as, nope. as well. Maybe all three of us will talk about what's in the box at Mr. Death, the rise and fall of Freddie Lecter Jr. next week for Bruce. And so there's no jingling or jangling. I'm sorry, Peter Beta. You're going to have to drop those uh, what, what, uh, profiteroles next week. Drop the profiteroles in the, next week. So we're, we're done. I think we're done. Are we done, Bruce? Eric, we're, we're done with the show? Yes? Sure. Okay. Final thoughts. Anderson, we love you. Final thoughts. Eric, Eric, you start off. I, I think I mentioned last week that I was on the middle class film class trivia thing. Yes, you, you did great, right? On Friday. First place? What? Uh, I, I was wrong. It comes out this Friday. So I, I believe my episode comes out this Friday. But okay. I, I really like the. Uh, I really I like was very disappointed going. not to hear you win. I was like, wait, what? I, 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 maybe, I don't think I won. I don't think I, I won. Think he, I think he wins. I think he wins, Greg. Oh, wow. I think. I, 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 there, there's a there's a Pyrrhic victory of of sorts. We'll, we'll just leave it to that. Oh, Pyrrhic! Mm. Why? Well, that's the first time we've ever used Pyrrhic. In the, yeah, very very interesting stuff. Eric comes. Can't wait to listen to that. It, those are the Peter Beta and his guys, Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro, over at Middle Class Film Class. They do a really good job over there. 
And Anderson, again, well, he will be popping. It's not a goodbye to Anderson Cowan. He will be popping in and out to promote Load of Bear and also just selfishly provide some really good movie recommendations over here at Cinematics. As we do usually, as even during the weeks, we kick the can on, on what's in the box. Bruce Perky, final thoughts. I just want to correct the record. I misspoke earlier, and I said the seventh seal was the one where they play with, you know, chess with death. And obviously that's Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Hey, guys. With that, we'll see you next week here on Cinematic.